Greetings and welcome to the Drive Home Breakdown. I'm Brent Adams, and I am so excited because we are coming at you today with a brand new episode for a film that Tony and I are extremely excited about. This is a similar episode to our Rio Bravo episode. We're reaching back to a, a film from the 1960s, a classic piece of cinema, a really, really influential movie called Yojimbo from uh, perhaps Japan's most famous director, Akira Kurosawa. This was uh, released in 1961, stars the legendary Toshiro Mifune, and uh, is it, it's a classic in every sense of the word. It's gone on to inspire countless movies, a lot of remakes, A Fistful of Dollars, Sergio Leone's uh, classic spaghetti western, was an unofficial remake of this film. It's just it's one of those movies that casts a very long shadow, and it's got uh, it's got its fingerprints all over uh, movies that would follow. And uh, we talk a lot about the uh, the influence of this film during the commentary. So uh, anyway, we are we are really really jazzed to talk about this. It's a favorite of both Tony and myself, so it was a real treat to sit down and discuss it. And we hope that you all. Uh, are as excited uh, to uh, to check out the film, to check out what we have to say about it as as we are to share our thoughts. So, with all of that having been said, uh, I'll go ahead and uh, shut up now, so that you can get down to the business of enjoying Yojimbo. Hey, welcome everybody uh, to the uh, the latest episode of the Drive Home Breakdown. Another commentary episode. The biannual episode. <laughs> we we like to do one of these once every like six months or so. Which is about what we're averaging, <laughs> but uh, this uh, this week's episode we have we have been off. Uh, let's see, what was the last episode? Was it Guardians? I think it was Guardians. Yeah, yeah. So we have been off for uh, for about a month, but and uh, just just two, you know, like Chris Pratt and those guys. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I think that our uh, our glowing review of the film obviously is what put you over the. Uh, well, they're they're about to break three hundred. Uh, they're about to break three hundred domestic. They've already broken five hundred international. I think they're about to break six hundred inter- uh, worldwide. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're, you're welcome. welcome. But anyway, uh, we're here today. Uh, we're here today to, uh, to 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 go back in time, as it were, uh, and uh, and really, it's I like I'm practically giddy. I say practically, I'm <laughs> fucking giddy. I, I am so excited that uh, that we're sitting here about to talk about. Uh, this film, which is which is a favorite of both of ours, and, and a really important film in a lot of different ways, from a really important filmmaker, and uh, and and that is Akira Kurosawa's classic Yojimbo. Uh, so we'll talk about the film, but let's just go ahead and let's yeah, just let's, go ahead and do the countdown. Let's go and get, get started because uh, it, it is a it's it's a great film. We're both very excited about it. So you want to count us count right. us off there? So we're gonna go three, two, one, click. Like we normally do, this is a practice run once again. It's going to go three, two, one, click. So get ready. Here we go. This is the real thing. Three, two, one, click. And we are off and running. Off and running. Now we're watching the. Uh, we're watching this on. Uh, we're watching this on Blu-ray. This is uh, this is actually the Criterion. Uh, Blu-ray that we're checking out. So what we're looking at right now is the Criterion Collection logo. Um, 
And now we've got the Janus Films. Uh, now we've got the Janus Films bumper. So if you're watching this on a non-Criterion release, which I don't know, there is one I, at this point. I don't think so. There have been there have been multiple releases on that, but they've all been through. Yeah. Criterion. But anyway, I'm just giving you some cues here in case the one that you're watching doesn't have the Criterion bumper. We're seeing the Toho logo right now fading out, and we're in black. Uh, and now we've got the uh, the first title card. So anyway, um, Yojimbo, 1961. And um, it's only what a year after Seven Samurai, right? I think I thought Seven Samurai was. was this, I thought it was fifty nine. I always get the fucking years back, uh, mixed up. But anyway, it. I, th- uh, I, th- I think that I think that Seven Samurai was like fifty five, maybe fifty nine. You might. You're probably right. Um, we, we, I, we talked about this last time, and I was way off too. I can't remember, but yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure that it, it was. As you look that up, though, on screen we have the uh, the one, the only, the only, the master, Toshiro the master killer, Mifune. Yep. Uh, this man is just, you know, this is relatively... Uh, yeah, Seven Samurai is 54. 54, all right, my bad. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, this is this is a good deal yeah, this down is, the road. You know, you can tell kind of like, cinematically, too, as you watch it, it's just, you know, the... You know the, the the film stock it's on is is of, of a better you yeah. know quality the, the the you know just the uh, the way it's shot it, it feels much more like a more current um, much more current film than than even say Seven Samurai even though both are shot immaculately yeah this film is interesting in that uh, the Kurosawa the the cinematographer on uh, on this film was a guy that uh, that he had wanted. I think that I think that he had worked with Kurosawa on Rashomon, and um, they hadn't had the opportunity to work together again because this guy was at another studio, mm. and you know this is like in the days like you know when you couldn't like there was yeah, no but- th- there was the studio system. Today it's like all freelancing. At the time, you know, you were under a studio contract roof with them, and, and that was it. Yeah. So they didn't get the opportunity to work together. I think that that other studio. I think they folded. I I, I think they were in financial trouble if, if I'm remembering correctly, but. Um, Anyway, so this uh, they hadn't had the chance to work together. This guy became available. Kurosawa approached him, and uh, and so they did end up working together. Yeah. However, what is what is kind of ironic, and and I don't know whether or not it is known like how much of the footage that we're seeing uh, is from the B camera, but the the I guess the assistant cinematographer, a guy named Takao Saito. Um, he was like running like the B camera, like Kurosawa was like shooting like like two cameras simultaneously. Yeah, and Saito was on the B camera, and he just kind of had this interesting imperative, just like you know what, like just just do like just do cool shit, like just find cool things. shots, do different yeah. stuff. And so a lot of the and this movie has very inventive cinematography, and a lot of that is credited to Saito, just sort of taking that that edict and really running with well, it. Well, you know, and, and having the freedom of shooting with two cameras. I mean, you know, yeah. like if, if you know, you can't do that if you're if you're not already kind of planning for, well, we may or may not even use that. So just Very try true. something. Now, already, you know, we haven't we don't have a word of dialogue yet, but we're already doing some great character building here. And uh, and you know, lots we'll, of scratching. Lots of scratching, which which you know, and the, the shoulder shifting. The yeah. shoulder shifting's a big deal too. <laughs> Uh, but uh, you know we're already kind of finding out a lot about this character, you know who, whose name we don't know yet, but we'll find out at Sanjuro. Um, that you know that he he's a man that's uh, content to uh, that's content to you know to to leave his uh, his life to to fate or, or destiny, if you will, or, or or chance. 
depending on how you want to interpret it. But that that bit where he just he comes to the crossroads, he tosses up the stick, and he's just like, "I'll go wherever it points." You yeah, know? I don't care. Now this exchange that we just saw here is uh, is is interesting, and that will that will come full circle uh, later in the film. I love how there, there are certain things. I love how sort of secondary, you know, Tshumfuni is to this. Like, he, he's in shot almost all the time, although there's a couple of times where he's not. But, yeah. but literally, he's not the focus of what's going on. Like it's, oh, and, we, you know, he's introduced to, like, we're introduced to his back. Yeah, know, yeah. With, with all those great shots of the mountains in the background. And that's a motif that we see again and again throughout the yeah. film. Shooting it from behind and stuff. But, yeah, you're right. I, I mean, he, he's, he and we as the audience are clearly... You know, on the outside looking in to this situation, as we're getting this exposition about gangsters and gamblers and how bad things have gotten in this uh, this nameless town that uh, that Sanjur is approaching. I was gonna say I've, I uh, I own this on on DVD, but I don't have it on Blu-ray. My God, and you're hating looks, yourself right now. Man, it looks amazing. Yeah, the the, uh, the restoration for for Blu-ray is very good. So, at this point in Mifune's career, I mean, he's a star in Japan. Yeah. You know, he's done a lot of Kurosawa movies at this point. He's a, he's a big deal. But after this movie, he's a big deal globally. Like, this is where Mifune goes from big star to big fucking star. Uh, this movie gets him noticed by international filmmakers. Uh, it, it, it's on the basis of this film that you know he, we starts appearing in Western films, things like uh, Hell in the Pacific with uh, with Lee Marvin, and um, this was a, this was a, a real big turning point in Mifune's career. And, and I would uh, say blew up in a big way after this movie came out. In turn, too, just I think uh, the the uh, you know people learning about uh, Kurosawa as well to a certain degree, you know, because I think I think yeah. just because of the popularity of, of these films started becoming. Uh, more and more known globally. Yeah, it, it got Western. It got Western audiences noticing. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I dare say that you know, one of the things that we're, we'll talk about, you know, through this film is uh, is its lineage and uh, and how Daniel traced it at one point. Nah, but, uh, <laughs> you said lineage, and I just cringed. Yeah, uh. is how uh, is its lineage in film history and uh, great shot, <laughs> tall run by with a hand. I mean. You, they say that you know, like the rule in film is is show and don't tell, and you know that we've been told oh it's really bad in town, but the dog running by with the human, the severed human hand that really does, that really it's, does it sets a tone. It does, and I mean, you can see Sanjuro's reaction to it. Like I mean, even he, who, he who he's kind of like holy shit. shit. Well, and, and he's been through some shit, and he's <laughs> yeah. still kind of like, hey, what kind of fucked up shit's going on in this town? That's exactly right. Look at these great shots. Uh, I, I absolutely love the cinematography introducing us to the town, but. Always through kind of the prism of Sanjuro, and, and indeed, there's almost not a, a shot, almost not a scene of the film without without Sanjuro. Uh, it, it's a, it's a really interesting interesting motif, but we really do experience this story almost entirely uh, through his character, w- w- with maybe one or two exceptions. Yeah, but um, anyway, interesting story about that hand that I'll uh, I'll come back to. Um, in, in just a minute, uh, th- th- there's a neat story uh, about how they, uh, how, about how, how the production got their hands on that hand. But anyway, um, I dare say that, uh, and I don't know this, I'm just speculating, but given the fact that this film was so popular internationally, I'd be willing to bet that filmmakers like 
Steven Spielberg and uh, George Lucas who credit Kurosawa with being a major influence on yeah. them. Uh, this may very well be the movie that uh, that they became familiar with him, uh, just because it was it was so popular in the U.S. and around the world. And and it's really kind of no surprise that it that it's that it's popular because although you know although the, the, the characters and certainly costuming and those kinds of things are foreign, th- there's a lot about the film that's very familiar. It feels like a western. It, you know, yeah. Western audiences could watch this. And I think find something, uh, find something pretty familiar in it. You know, one thing I, I think that I really do like about uh, this, especially, is that you know, like you, how you were saying that it feels kind of like uh, accessible. Yeah, is, is that it doesn't rely. You know, sometimes there's movies where it, I don't know, it sort of relies very heavily on maybe knowing the history of of the. The, you know, where it's originating from, or yeah. sort of understanding, like, oh, well, this person is this because of their, you know, the, what they're wearing. Things that you may not, as a foreigner, may not understand. And this film does such an amazing job of getting those points and ideas across yep. without you having to know that. I and, agree. And, yeah. and I think that's what really lends itself to being so accessible for for uh, a lot of people. Great reaction here. This <laughs> <laughs> is giant. I love how he just he, he, his weapon is a giant hammer. It's just a mallet. Can't help but uh, can't help but wonder if uh, that uh, those twins in uh, Batman: Arkham City, Mister Hammer being one of them, yeah, giant giant with a mallet. I can't help but wonder if uh, there might not be some influence here. I, you know that I love. I just love this entire intro because it's like he he says little to nothing. Uh, you know, in, yeah. in the entire first scene, and everybody is is interested in him or or, or is. Yeah. He he is getting a reaction from everyone that he crosses paths with to, to some degree, and they're all talking to him. And he's just you know in the back of his head, kind of putting together like, what the you know what what is going on here, and you know, do do I even want to screw with it? You know. Yep. All right, now uh, we're getting introduced to probably the I, I guess this is probably the, the the biggest the biggest character in the film next to. Uh, Next to Sanjuro, and uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna figure out the actor's name, or even the character's name. But anyway, this innkeeper, um, he's kind of the he's kind of the one decent guy left in town, and and he really becomes kind of the moral barometer for the film. He, he's really the guy that is letting us know how how wicked all these people are and how and, bad the situation and, is. And even he has kind of given you know given up just to a certain point. Oh, no, I think. He, like, he's, he's completely apathetic. Yeah, 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 he's just he's sort of. He's like, it sucks, but I'm resigned. But yeah, right what, what what else am I going to do, essentially? Yeah. But uh, it, it's interesting how his, his his relationship with Sanjuro, that they have this very, you know, kind of mildly contentious relationship uh, throughout the film. And yet there is, you know, some... Um, there, there, you know, there is some some affection between them, some some regard for one another that deepens as the film goes on, and ultimately becomes uh, Pretty, you know, the, the dominant driving force in in the final the final action set piece of the movie. But uh, you know, the, the first half of the film and, and this scene especially, it's just really deep exposition. You know, it's yeah. just like like really. Telling us the situation, and, the players. Well, and, and there's so many layers to it. Like, like in the background, you know, you've got if you're listening to us and aren't hearing the film, like you're, you've got this hammering going on and this just constant clacking, clacking, and it's and yeah. it's the coffin maker, you know, and he's and it's like one of those things. Like the first when he first kind of comes in and it's going on, you don't really notice it. Sort of in the background, and then he, 
you know, then he yells at him like there he's going again and you know tells him to shut up. But it's just it's it's the thing that the coffin maker in this town is really the only one who like is 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 well I should say the only one but I mean he's he's profiting from all this you know that's going on he's and, doing it, okay for and it makes and it makes him sick because he's he's just like you know yeah. um taking it or maybe not taking advantage isn't even technically fair but just you know benefiting from the the you know the horrors that are going on in this town is is just makes him sick to his stomach yeah and I think that this uh this is this motif of the hammering the the casket maker this is borrowed from an American western. Uh, the name of which uh, escapes me at the moment. Maybe a John Ford film. Kurosawa was a huge fan of John Ford, and uh, this this uh, this device is uh, is something uh, probably being borrowed from uh, from one of Kurosawa's favorite like, westerns. Again, think about this. Who would have shot this this way? Yeah, I mean, look, like, like why would you? Why would you really, shoot this? Scene? Really using? I love. <laughs> 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 where he's got to like, count oh, it out and figure out did we do bad or did we do good? <laughs> <laughs> they really, they really tell you a lot about that character with a little in that scene, and that little that, that piggish grin he has. <laughs> is so yeah, you know, and, and, oh. I, and I th- that's that's a, like his name means boar or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So I mean, like really, his character is quite literal in that sense. Yeah. But no, you're totally right. Like in that one shot where Sanjiro's in the middle, and you see the casket maker to the left, and uh, and uh, I can't remember the character's name, Pigman to the right. I mean, they're, and and again here, you know, like they're really using the extreme edges of the frame. Yeah. Uh, really using this uh, this widescreen format to its fullest. You, I can't think of a, of a film in the last twenty years that I've seen that's that's utilized widescreen. Like this movie has, because you know, well, everybody shoots, they shoot a little bit more safely for TV and for, stuff for like that. For putting it on, you know, sixteen by nine later when it, you know, eventually mm-hmm. comes on, or, or you know, in, in years before and four by three, you know, exactly. they were just like, let's play it safe and record everything right dead center in the middle, and yeah. and this really does play to it. But even just the angle, like you know, choosing not, you know, not right on the person that's talking, but but like behind yet again other characters. And through a wall, you know, yeah. like it just why would you even do it that way? Except to make you feel like you are, if you're not Sinjuro himself, you are sympathetically with him. You're sort of like you know yeah. in in the room with him, kind of thing. And, and uh, it works. It makes you, it puts you in that uh, in that mode. It does indeed. And th- this whole thing with the shutters in the end uh, and, and the action going on with it, this is something that's used again and again throughout the film. And really, really well. It, it, it's fascinating how, the, because of that action of, of being able to open the shutters and the fact that there are these heavy wood things that clap down when they uh, when they cuts when they them off, the it like opens it up, and cuts them off when you need it to, and so you can have. Yeah, it, it, it's a great device, and it's amazing how, how dynamic it it, it it becomes. Yeah. In terms of uh, in, in terms of being able to show you things going on outside or, or cut them off as you need to, um, it, it's a really really. Great bit of uh, of, of, uh, of on screen set design, I suppose. No, I agree. So Sanjuro's got a plan, uh, and and this is really kind of interesting here, where he he kind of expounds on his um, on his motives. He says that this is a town of men who deserve to die. That uh, the town will be better off if uh, if he kills a bunch of these people off. Not really in it for the money, not really in it for any kind of 
I, I don't know. Like you don't get the purpose. You don't get the idea that it's really for any great moral good. It, that's it's just what I was about like, to say. It's just like I would like to kill these guys, and it just so happens that they kind of deserve to die anyway. It, it sort of it, it sort of <laughs> almost feels a little bit like he's he's sort of relegated to being like. He is sort of a, a tool for good in the end, but he doesn't really care. He doesn't like, really you know, give a shit about good. It's, it's like, I can make that happen, and probably nobody else around here can, so why don't I? I guess yeah, I, I might will. as well. But, it's, it's, yeah, his characterization is very different. And yeah. this is really, I mean, this turns, the, like, his character in this movie turns samurai films on its head. I don't think that you're going to see yeah, the, an American the, Western do this until probably the 70s. Like something like McCabe and Mrs. Miller with Warren Beatty, which was considered, you know, like I think like the first revisionist Western that was like, look, it's not all happy and yeah. you know, John Wayne. Or and honor and respect. That's exactly and, you know, right. I, don't, I don't shoot an unarmed man. It, like, was, it, was, it was a hard, gritty, you know, yeah. world. And, you know, American cinema wouldn't catch up with this for probably a decade or so. Certainly, Sergio Leone yeah. uh, in the Spaghetti Westerns, you know, he, but, he obviously was, was adopting this motif and, and utilizing it. But, I mean, you have to remember this film was a big deal at the time because you're taking like that – you're taking that cowboy, you know, who, who is like the, the, the symbol, in this case the samurai, but, you know, the symbol of kind of, you know, virtue and all of this stuff and completely upending it. You know, yeah. almost inventing the action antihero. Yeah. With with this film, and, and really, I think Mafune's character in this is a lot closer to like the hard boiled detectives, uh, you know, of something, you, you know, like a like like a Maltese Falcon, you know, yeah. something like from film noir, uh, you know, a character you'd expect Humphrey Bogart to play. Yeah, actually, he has a lot more in common with that genre than westerns or samurai films up to this point. It was a yeah. really groundbreaking departure from uh, from the establishment of the medium. Now. The story that I was going to tell you, remember about uh, about the hand? Yeah, yeah. So they Kurosawa wanted this dog to come running by with his hand, and so they needed a uh, they needed a hand, and they they didn't have they didn't have like a shop or anybody to uh, fabricate one or to whatever. fabricate one. And so the prop master started doing some research and found out that there was this uh, craftsman. Uh, I, I think that lived, lived in the town or near the town where they were shooting. And he went and cut his hand off. <laughs> exactly. And the guy, he was also, I guess, like an aspiring actor. I think he actually had a job lined up. Oh, okay. But anyway, the prop master went to him and said, look, you know, we need this We need this hand. We need a rush order. And the guy, the guy pulled an all-nighter and produced two of them uh, so that they could film. And then he actually ended up in the film. He's the guy on the far right of frame with the beard. Huh. He, he's the, I think he's the third guy. Uh, he's the third guy that mouths off about you know what a badass he is about you know how he's a he's a hardened criminal. So, did, did he? Um, this guy right here that Sinjir yeah. is talking to right now. Same here. This dude. This is the guy that uh, that made the hand. And I can't remember if he's the first or third to die. But uh, <laughs> all three of these fucks so are mind dead. Kill you. <laughs> I, I, I love just how matter of fact he is. It's like, look, I'm, I'm gonna fuck you up. Yeah. You know, you do realize we that, aren't right? afraid of the sword. Now watch how fast this goes. There's no cure for fools. Oh, he's the first. And off comes the arm. <laughs> and just like that, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Look at everybody Holy looking at the back like, shit. what the fuck just happened? This, this is one of the greatest lines in film history right here. Watch this. Casket maker, two coffins. Better make it three. <laughs> <laughs> Like a badass! <laughs> I'm telling you what, man. It doesn't get much better than this. But I love the whole dynamic. He goes over there. 
draws those people out. Doesn't even say like you know really what he you know, but just draws them out, walks over, kills them, and then goes back to him. And is like, all right, how much you want to pay me? Yeah, you know, like, I just think that's so badass. Not since like Vin Diesel in a Fast and Furious <laughs> that we've seen this kind of acting. I love how I love how uh, I mean he just doesn't give a fuck, man. He's like, I'm going to go the other side. He's like, even though I just killed three of his guys, he'll they'll, pay me they'll more. want me anyway. exactly. And he's right. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the exactly thing. Right. He knows right. these people. He knows what what kind of men they are just from yep. the little bit that he's he's already seen. I also I love that bit there where he says something like he says like I'll pay you six road. He says add a zero to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a boss. I like how everybody in here is like, we get paid like three or something like that, you know, and then yep. he's giving them, you know. Now we've got his attention, finally. This is also how you negotiate for a car. You just you just say no. <laughs> you just say no. You start putting your shoes back on because I presume you went to the dealership and took your shoes off. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you start walking for the door. But... Um, here we get introduced uh, to a character, and this uh, this lady and Mifune have done some work together before. Um, one of my favorite Kurosawa films is Throne of Blood, which is Kurosawa's adaptation of Macbeth, which also happens to be my favorite uh, work of Shakespeare. And in that film, Mifune plays uh, the role of Macbeth, and uh, that actress plays the role of Lady Macbeth, and she is haunting uh, in the film, it, it, it's a real, real masterpiece. She's, you know, she's really good in this as well. You she know, I mean, is. it's like you kind of don't, you don't really realize it totally at first. But I mean, she really she's is running the, the show. Of, yeah, <laughs> she's running the fucking and, show. And she's pissed that he's paid him as much as she is, is she, or that he, he's offered him as much as he has, That's and all exactly this sort of right. stuff. You know? Which is why she's now proposing that they kill him rather yeah. than pay him off. So yeah, you've got this interesting family dynamic here with with her really at the top. I mean, she's really running this family. Uh, the the husband is uh, is definitely taking his lead from her, and then their son is just useless. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he he is not cut out for this line of work at all. I love later, you know, later in the film when he's like, "Mama, Mama." Yeah, I mean, just, oh, you just yeah, you, you know how pathetic. just how, how how sad it is. It is. It's it's really not good, and uh, they all come to a pretty horrific end. <laughs> Spoiler alert! You mean All, this doesn't happen and uh, end in happy flowers. It does not end in happy flowers. It really doesn't. If, if, if you're looking for one of those, <laughs> <laughs> I love how they're like, oh, oh god, they're going to kill you. He's like, eh, <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> I'm not worried. And again, you know, really using the widescreen format here. You know, we're in. I mean, we're in a triple close up. Yeah. You know. And uh, they, it they, almost looks like this. Almost looks like you would have had to to do like multiple shots and like layer it or that's something. Exactly like, right. Because I was, it's I was so about close. to say. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It, because it, it's got such. They've got great focus there, you know, and which is which is difficult to do in this format. Yeah. It's difficult to, to get uh, to get all of those elements in focus as much as they are. So, you know, again, really, really inventive uh, cinematography work. So here comes the Mope Squad. <laughs> the wife, the son, a couple of other no-namers who we don't care about. But then we got this one guy, and there's a there's an interesting thing going on here with um, 
I can't remember what what is it is it Han, yeah Hama Ma, Master Hama and uh, <laughs> this is one of those things that I think you know even though okay well now hang on we got to pause for this yeah what's your name so he answers and Sanjiro I, I think literally translated just just means thirty year old. So, uh, or, or, or like, it means like 30 year, I guess. And so, um, he says, my name is 30 year old Mulberry Field, but you know, closer to, closer to 40. Ha ha ha. And, uh, so begins kind of the legacy of the man with no name. Uh, you know, because he, the name he's giving is, uh, giving is obviously a fake. And, and in the, the follow up to this, Sanjuro, he gives a different, you know, it's still Sanjuro, but something else, so, you know, yeah. not Mulberry Field, it's something Something else that that you know he looks at and kind of draws inspiration from, so you never really kind of find out who he is. And I love this. This is the former master of the swordsman, kind of you know that, that's, that's exactly training right. his guys, and, and he's like, "I'm not good enough to sit over there because you know you're you're Obviously. making so much more." And you know what? He's, he's right. right. <laughs> he's exactly right. Now, Although I do love the little moment they have in it because I mean, yeah, it really is. It's really there's a neat passing of the torch, yeah. and th- that was a th- the story that I was going to comment on is that there's an interesting art imitating life thing going on here, and that this actor, the one that's playing Hama, this guy, the actor playing Hama was uh, he and Akira Kurosawa had worked together a lot, and prior to Mifune kind of becoming. Kurosawa's go-to leading man, that guy, was Kurosawa's go-to leading man uh, earlier in his career. And so... Can I just real quick... I want an alarm of this exact sound. I I think this sound is so... It's very distinct. So distinct. It would definitely wake you up. Yes. But anyway, so so that actor, you know, had had kind of been Toshiro Mifune years before. Yeah. And so, you know, at this point, obviously, Mifune Mifune has, you know, become kind of established as, as Kurosawa's... Uh, leading man, and so there is this really interesting uh, kind of changing of the guard moment yeah. uh, going on in, in that scene, and, and then the one that's about to happen right now as well. She's not kidding. Look, I mean, she's yeah. like, bitches leave. <laughs> Years later, Clarence Bodiger would um, he would draw inspiration from her for, for his performance. <laughs> um, but yes, it's a she's really no kind Ray of, Rice. I mean, she's no. no. <laughs> it's a really interesting in joke, uh, you know, kind of going on here. That you know, even even though you know, like we in the modern era know the story, I don't think that it could ever have the impact that it must have to Japanese audiences of the time who really kind of got how much of a wink and a nod uh, this was. Particularly this year, as Master uh, Master Hama has decided he's had enough of being with the B team and he's gone. Well, and also, isn't it kind of in the sense that he feels like this is going to come to a head now? Now that there really is a swordsman who's yeah. going to like until this point, they had he was sort kind of, of it was like he was milking the situation. Well, in a way, because was, really they weren't they weren't ever they were just sort of needling at each other the two sides. You know, yeah, yeah a few people died here or there, but it was just this ongoing sort of slow thing, and and his presence has now uh, accelerated that. And, That's right. Uh, 
But I, I love that look that he gives him, and he kind of smiles, and yeah. it's like you know he kind of he's like Have he's, fun. I think in a way he's kind of like all right, he, he's smarter than maybe I gave him credit for because he's getting <laughs> the hell exactly out of here. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you know, there's an interesting kind of thing between those two. You know, if you if you notice, you know their robes. They're they're a, a couple of the only guys in the film. That uh, you know that actually you know have these robes that uh, that show that they are from the house. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That, that, that they they have some um, they have some some degree of uh, aristocracy about them and, and all that. And you'll notice most of these guys are just schlubs wearing rags. Yeah. But uh, Sanjuro and Hama uh, are cut from a a different cloth to make a terrible. Because anyway. they are the only samurai, right? I mean, they're, they're the like only in, true, in true they're, samurai. They're, only, they're the only true samurai in the film, yeah. Um, although there are other I, people. That I just love that. Yeah. Like, it's like just stirring up the pots, like going in there and fucking kicking the, the beehive and then walking away. Yep. You know? <laughs> and then Sanjiro's just going to go watch the, the chaos unfold. <laughs> Don't give a fuck. That is an ugly Japanese man. Yes. Sebe has offended me. That's it. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> so now, now we anticipate quite the bloodbath is going to unfold. This guy is great. The uh, the uh, really Hanske, the, yeah. uh, the the corrupt, the corrupt sheriff, who <laughs> goes to announce this is going to be really really bad. Now watch, uh, now watch uh, former Lady Macbeth in this scene here. She's uh, the fuck out there. She's not going to let the situation. Uh, she's not going to let the situation go. Yeah, she's going to ensure that hubby gets out there and does some damage. Although, it don't exactly work out that way. Anyhow, again, this is just. It's just so funny. This is like they just. They they really are. It is. Just I mean, shit, it's, really know, it's, just, it's really comical. It it's really com- as you know, Sanjuro finds it. It's really comical how you know how much posturing these two sides are doing, and nobody really wants to get their hands dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably how this conflict's been going on. Exactly. So that's, that's why it's been able to last as long as it has. Now, there, there's some great uh, <laughs> going back to the cinematography. There's some great, great stuff uh, coming up uh, in just a second here. There's this great shot uh, of these two sides slowly coming into <laughs> into attack range of each other, and you just see like these trembling swords just slowly come, creeping come, into the edge of frame. And they, coming in, right and here, going back out, this. coming back in. <laughs> this is great. Watch the right edge of the frame. <laughs> oh my god! You know, I I I think that uh, I think in so many ways, you know, this film this film uh, is the foundation for you know that kind of modern action movie uh, paradigm that we think of. You know, where you've got You've got action and excitement, but there's also expect you, you also expect to have a certain degree of humor. Yeah, and uh, and this movie this movie was you know was really funny, and I, I think in a lot of ways it, it went a long way to kind of establishing that as as a formula 
you know, that, that people were, were going to, you know, come back to time and again. So, unfortunately, there will be no bloodbath. They're like, what's going on? Oh, you motherfucker. Yeah. I really buy that these guys hate each other. Yes. I totally buy it. You swine. Kurosawa actually, like, started rumors to make them hate each other just to make their performance better, I bet. That's exactly right. He he kept saying, like, oh, that guy's getting paid more than you. Fucking your wife. (laughs) Another theme that's explored later on in the film. (laughs) Not even the dogs are fighting. Dogs is an interesting insult. Uh, everybody, people forever calling Sanjuro dog, and he, he, he's always getting uh, slapped with that moniker. So now uh, we've got an inspector from uh, from Edo, which I guess is the, um, I guess the capital city, capital of the province. Uh, or at uh, at this point, I think this movie is supposed to take place like in eighteen sixty, something like that. And uh, tail end basically, the they know that period. if uh, you know if he comes in and sees that there's there's trouble, a lot of trouble. They may, although he's totally corrupt, so I really don't know how how you know. But yeah. I, I think maybe they they think that they'll well, have to pay him more. That's exactly right. They're willing to look on. the other way so long as you know war isn't breaking out. Yeah. But uh, you know, here again, we got the we got the motif of uh, you know watching the action from inside the uh, the innkeeper's place through the slats. And uh, there, there's some interesting uh, comedic beats that that are uh, happening here. I had to watch this movie. I had to watch this movie several times before I, I figured out that the that the thing that he's talking about. He says something like, "No wonder the guy can afford such a uh, such a fancy." And I can't remember the word that he uses for it. But he's talking about he's talking about that litter. He's talking about the thing that the guy travels around in. That box that, that's yeah, in the foreground, or whatever, that I mean. uh, you know, he, like two, three people, you know, uh, or I guess carry. two to four people are going to carry him around in. But you know, Sanjiro comments like, "Oh, he's no wonder he's got such a nice X Y Z." I can't remember the word at the moment, but anyway, it, it took me. I can't remember how many times I watched this movie. Like, what are they talking about? Before, before it finally dawned, it's like, "Oh, okay, right, right." Like the, like I said, the carriage thing or whatever. But uh, that 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 is one of those that is one of those things that. Uh, uh, for a Western audience, not really having any any great analog for it, you know, because you can't really call it a carriage. It's not drawn yeah. by horses. It's you know, it is a unique item, and and not having any context for it, I was utterly lost first few times watching this. I like how how sort of how just irritated he is. He's like, look, you're just making this worse. You're you're yeah. bringing it to a head rather than you know like taking care of it or right, whatever. Slow boil or whatever. Sanjiro's equally pissed that his plans got spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I could have had this taken care of by this dinner. literally almost done. If I ever form another punk band, I think I want to call, our, call ourselves the Nitwit Mayors. <laughs> I think that'd be pretty cool. Now, this guy that we're meeting here, this is the, the mayor and the, uh, the silk merchant. Um, you don't see him a lot in the film, although... As time goes on, you kind of discover that he and then his rival, the sake brewer, are really the driving force behind all this. That uh, you know that, that they and their fortunes are what's backing these criminal gangs. Yeah, and that uh, that the the rivalry and the war that's going on in town and everything is really down to uh, down to them. This is <laughs> I find this really funny. This thing with Hanske handing out the bribes here. <laughs> Nobody, sets it down, tugs on the shirt. Just you know, nobody looks at it or acknowledges. Nobody it, acknowledges. Know, it's it. like oh, there you go. ever so slightly, they'll all 
ever so slightly, they'll all reach down and they'll just disappear into the ropes. There's one. Here it goes. Two. And there's three. And Sandra and the innkeeper have a have a laugh about this too. And then real and there's a great moment where they realize that you know they're kind of they're kind of enjoying this this moment together and it's like, oh no, 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 we don't like each other. And here comes the sake brewer. And at this point, everybody needs to shut the fuck up, back the fuck up for <laughs> Takashi Shimura. Uh, this guy this guy is an A number one genuine motherfucking badass. Done a lot of Kurosawa films. He plays the lead in Akiru, probably my favorite Kurosawa movie. He's also the uh, the main, like the lead samurai in Seven Samurai. He's fucking brilliant. Uh, got a very small role here, but uh, man, dude casts a long shadow. He is a very, very cool actor and uh, did some great, great stuff working with Kurosawa. That was a big drum. <laughs> Kurosawa, I mean, uh, Mifune is always scratching, tugging at that beard, you know, it's just, it, 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 just that gruff, you know. Yep. He, uh, he always played it. like, like he had fleas. He was just like, yeah, like the shoulder hitching, the scratching, whatever. <laughs> he was always just playing like Even, ruffian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would, it would all, it almost is out of place. Yeah, it's, it's almost it's, it's so, goofy. so over the top. I mean, the fact that he's got a unibrow and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's but, so over the top. But it works. It so works, and that's the thing. Like, if you look at him in profile, <laughs> if you look at him in profile, like that 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 protruding upper lip actually looks like a pig snout. Yeah, I, it's it's brilliant. It's so brilliant. is <laughs> like, "What's up, Jack? I like you." Just says what's on his mind. Simple mind, simple words. And watch watch Sanjiro play him. Oh, she's back. Trying to use her what passes for womanly charms on him, I guess. <laughs> what I kind of love, though, too, is like, she, if anything, should be pissed at him, but, she, but they know that they have to have him, or at, exactly least they, right. at least they feel that way. Now we get to this interesting bidding war. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a pig snout. Look at that. T- you know what? I hate to say it, but you know what? Got to give credit to the guy, man. He, he really took the I, role I, of I just realized, though, exactly what he looks like in there, and I hate to say it, but it's like those propaganda Japanese images you see from, like, World War II. Well, yeah, like but that. Mean, those, were made by, those were made by white people, so they're offensive. When he does yeah. it, it's fine. <laughs> but, I mean, it really is. It's like <laughs> no, that, it, that big, uh, that upper lip that sort of sticks out, yeah, the, and that, you know, that, that sort of biting of the, you know, the teeth over the lip. It just, that sort of chops uh, Hockey, it's, it's, uh, stereotype, man. Just like you said, any it, anywhere else that would come off as almost too, it's too, almost racially offensive. Yeah. So uh, there, there's there's a, there's a great moment coming, and you know, again, just like using using the widescreen frame, but also using the depth of the frame. You know, and we, we've got you know this conversation taking place here. You know, and 
Sanjiro, you know, we're kind of getting, you know, more hints as to his plan and his motives and everything. And all the time, you know, we can see in the background, I think it's uh, Ushitoro, uh, who's leading the, the rival gang. And <laughs> Ushitoro and his, and his and ogre. Yes. <laughs> Who is forced to stay in the rain? No, I, I really, I really like this bit here. Everyone but him out. <laughs> he just starts clearing the place. <laughs> and Ishitoro just—I do like that. It, it's like there's at least somewhat of a like. Look, we're in your place. So I'm going to give you the. <laughs> I'm going to let I'm you gonna, walk out. I'm going to give you the benefit of not <laughs> throwing you out. <laughs> Beautiful framing, rain in the background. It's just uh, I mean, yeah, this is the kind of movie you could you could teach you could, you could teach uh, a class on cinematography and shot design, lighting you, off this movie. You took a uh, a course in in Kurosawa specifically too. I mean, I did, I you yeah, because your background's in filmmaking. I studied film in college, and my very first semester, my very first semester. Uh, they offered a, uh, a film studies course on the movies uh, of Akira Kurosawa, and I'm trying to remember back when you and I met. I think we were both. I we think were, we, we were both familiar with. We Kurosawa were familiar with him, although I will say I that you, I think you, the, you, you definitely had you had seen more of his movies at that point. I think I had probably seen this and Seven Samurai. I was going to say though, I think I only had maybe seen one or two films, and it probably was this and Seven Samurai. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I think Hidden Fortress. I think you, maybe yeah, that's, that's probably true Hidden because Fortress. I was really big into Star Wars at the time, and I think I went and found tracked it down. But uh, that that was and that you know like we were the only people in our circle of friends at that time that you know knew who the fuck Kurosawa was. Yeah, you know that you don't think about that. I mean, sometimes now just with the advent of the internet and stuff like that, you know, a lot yeah. of these things, the 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 world as it is is just so much more open up to everyone. But back then, I mean, unless you had like a friend that got you into it or yeah. you watched a documentary somehow that talked about something, like you didn't know to seek out some of these things. You know, it was just a it was a very different time. Yeah. Casket makers very happy to hear that, <laughs> but yeah, Curacao was one of those. That was one of those kind of uh, more under the radar things that that you and I both shared in common when we first met. But yeah, anyway, yeah. So yeah, my first semester of college, I, I took a class on Kurosawa and we, you know, we watched. I, I've probably, I think he's made something like thirty-one films, and I've probably seen, I want to say like twenty of them probably at this point. I haven't seen them all, but I, I, I've seen, I've seen and, the majority, and. Um, you know, the thing is, like, I, I had primarily watched, like, his samurai films. Yeah. Those are the movies that, you know, that I was most interested in. And that class exposed me to a lot more of his body of work, a lot more of the dramas and things that he had done. Gave me a deeper appreciation for his his talent as a filmmaker. And, and my favorite Kurosawa film, Akira, is, is, a, is a drama uh, starring the guy I was talking about a minute ago, Takashi Shimura. Um, it's, a, and, it's a more, it's like a modern. I mean, at yeah, the time, it, it was a, contemporary a modern contemporary film. film. Yeah, it's contemporary film. It's about a, it's about a, uh, a uh, like a city worker, you know, like, like this guy, you know, this sort of cog in a bureau, bureaucratic machine, who finds out he's got stomach cancer, and it's about him, you know, kind of dealing with his life coming to an end and suddenly getting this. Getting this notion that he wants to leave something in his wake, he wants to do something good kinda, in the world. Kind of realizes he hasn't mm-hmm. done what he w- that he hasn't really done anything yeah. in his life, it, you know, anything worth remembering, you know, anything, you know, any, any kind of legacy. And yeah. so he, he he gets he gets it in his head to uh, to do that. And one of his constituents or something once uh, 
that they're clamoring for a uh, a playground for for the children in this neighborhood to play in. And so he basically, you know, he kind of becomes this man that you know takes on the bureaucratic machine, uh, you know, of government to uh, to try and work within the system to. To, to do this, you know, to, to get this impossible thing done, to get this playground built. And um, it's it's a very simple story, exceptionally well told. And, um, and really, you know, I, I would probably not have watched that film. I would, I would probably not have sought that film out on my own. I watched it as part of that class, and I was just like, that's like I had, the greatest thing I've ever seen. It I had never heard about it until you took that class. And I remember yeah. that, was, that was kind of interesting because I remember I, I just had the most – Basic, you know, kind of uh, um, knowledge of, of some of Kurosawa's films, and all of them were Mifune movies mm-hmm. and samurai films. Like they were all the the the. the and sort let's of be most, honest. There ain't nothing wrong with that. No, well, exactly. But you know, they were kind of like the I don't know. They, they were like the E.T. and Indiana Jones of Spielberg or something like you know right. the, the the you know the top maybe films that everybody knows from a certain person, but not necessarily uh, representative of their entire body of work. Um, and you introduced that to me, and I actually still didn't watch it for a long, long time because I remember just kind of thinking, like, I don't know, I don't know how the, the, uh, samurai films sort of work for him because I can kind of believe it's an older film, it's an older time. I don't know, I, it, it was easier for me to take, but I finally did watch it years and years and years, or years later, years and years ago, and uh, it is, it's it's fantastic, and that's starring uh, uh, Takashi Shimura as as as. Uh, as the the manager, you know, whatever the position he is, you know, yeah, I, I can't I can't remember exactly now. Yeah, what his position is now. What was the other? Uh, there's another one that I'll... Dezu Uzala. I don't even know which which one's that. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Right okay. now, let's talk about this this handsome young guy. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, Onosuke, um, who is the th- I guess he's like the third brother. Yeah, and he's been. Where, where's he been? He's like been away. He's getting been away money or something like that. Any or he, like he's or, been off or, traveling. He's been away for like a year or something like he went, that. He, went to, he had to go out of the state to buy a gun. There's really uh, strong that's gun, a, that, gun you know, laws. Yeah, there were very strict gun control laws in Japan at the time, mostly having to do with the fact that if uh, if if foreign traders came anywhere near Japan, they got murdered. <laughs> uh, but uh, although I think I, I'm trying to remember, it seems like uh, it seems like the Dutch. Had a trade agreement with Japan early on, or something like this, and so I guess presumably that's where he's gotten this this bit of Western hardware. But he's got this, he's got a revolver, and um, and he, I mean he can he can use it. I mean, like it. it's you know it's they kind of they they sort of show that real simple scene there. But I mean, it is to give you an idea that it's not he's not just he's got it and he doesn't know what to do with it. I mean, you know, he, he knows you know, what he's doing. But but more even more dangerous than that, he's not a stupid man. Yeah, uh, he is a uh, he, he's he's a clever dude and not and a coward either per, per se. Like he's exactly a little right. more you know he, he's more likely to take someone on rather than just run. He's he's the he's the closest thing to a match uh, for Sanjiro that we're going to meet in this movie, and, and he does become a pretty he becomes a pretty serious foil uh, as the film goes on. The guy that's uh, that's playing this is uh, Tatsuya Nakadai, and. Uh, and again, you know, we were kind of talking about the the actor, uh, you know, playing Hama earlier, and this kind of interesting passing of the torch thing going on. What's interesting is that Nakadai would end up working with Kurosawa again uh, several more times. I believe he's in Ron Kagemusha, maybe something else that I'm not um, that I'm not uh, I'm not thinking of. But um, anyway, yeah. So he's done. Um, 
he he's he, and he actually had a walk on part in Seven Samurai. He's like he's one of That's the samurai right. walking through town. Uh, no speaking part or anything, but he's just like one of the guys walking by when when uh, Shimura is is starting to put together the team of samurai to go to that. Uh, go and to that and in that, that's a story they talk about. I think in the uh, maybe the running commentary for Seven Samurai, where like yeah, I believe he so. was. Didn't he? So there's like a story about him being like in the bathroom with Kurosawa or something. Is there like like he was trying to get his attention or something as as he went into the the restroom or something? I can't remember, but it just it was one of those things. Like he was so not on his radar at that time. He was just an extra, just you know, there to to fill a role. And then you know, years later, they apparently uh, became quite relate. You know, in terms of a working relationship, quite uh, quite close. Yep, very very true. And he actually did up- he did he do more films than. Like, because, you know, everybody always assumes that Mifune has kind of done the most films with Kurosawa, but isn't it maybe him or is it somebody else that has actually done more, but they're just, you know, he, it's not as well known as... Uh, I don't know about that. I know I, that... Maybe I am. I, I, I can't, I can't remember how many... Let me see. I don't know if... Uh, I don't know if Wikipedia will answer that. Uh, I should ask Siri. Maybe Siri knows. Yeah, I should ask uh, Siri. He did five films with Kurosawa. <laughs> um, okay, yes, that's not So, not, not as many, but... Um, like I said, some pretty significant ones, and, and in fact, he he uh, he he plays basically the same role in Sanjiro. He he plays the 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 antagonist in Sanjiro, the one guy in Sanjiro that can really kind of challenge. <laughs> I, I, I just assumed he's, he's dead. dead. I, I mean, uh, I, I and must who can be dead. blame him. He, he pulled, <laughs> and then the and then the cloak comes off. You see his uh, his yakuza. Body tats. You know, that's one of those things that I, I don't know. I don't know that they use the term yakuza in this film. I don't know if it kind of comes across that. You know, that's what we're dealing with. You know, we're not dealing with. We're not dealing with you know, rogue samurai. I mean, you know, Sanjiro, yeah, uh, Hama. You know, these guys are Ronin. They're these guys Ronin, are former yeah. samurai. But yeah. everybody else in this film is is basically yakuza. You know, basically just gangsters. Um, was would it have been called yakuza then? Yeah, yeah, the yakuza. Uh, they go back to, um, I want to say, I want to say seventeenth, eighteenth century. But yeah, the, 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 in I terms of back that long. I mean, I, I guess I thought of it more of a more recent, you know, last you know, sixty, seventy years kind of time frame. I, I didn't realize it went back that far. Yeah, the uh, the, the the term as far as being yeah seventeenth century. Uh, the term as far as being a. A descriptor for basically like a, I guess like a professional criminal, you know. Um, whoa, whoa, wait a minute! Can you hold on, just say. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Whoo! I got to. I'm this. telling you what, this is. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie. This could be in like a, a, a like <laughs> scary movie, and you know, it is. It is quite bizarre. And Sanjuro's not all that impressed yeah. either. Yeah, it's like what? I love how she just she's got that smile on her face. We're like, yeah. You look know, at the guys in the back. Or look at the. <laughs> Everybody's like acting like they're afraid they're going to catch something, <laughs> which it's entirely. Which possible. I mean, let's be honest. There's a story I can't remember where this comes from. I can't remember if it's on the commentary for this film with the film historian or if it's. Uh, I've got a book by a guy named I guess Donald Ritchie uh, about Kurosawa films. Anyway, I can't remember where this anecdote comes from, but uh, in that scene where the girls are dancing, there's a shot of uh, of, of the women who are playing instruments. And the, the the light on them is doing this really weird kind of shimmering, almost strobing effect. Yeah. And it's the it's the cinematographer uh, going over to the light, the, the key light that they're using in the scene, and just kind of 
maniacally waving his hands in front of it to just you know give it some give it sort of some dynamic quality. Yeah, sort of an eerie sort of or, or you know just a, a yeah, but striking. It, it kind of simulates you know like like the women like the women who are dancing. You know, it kind of yeah. simulates you know like them dancing in the light. Uh, it, it's just it's just it a, almost like a flickering of a can or of the light that would have been right. there. You know, like it, it gives a couple of different things. Yeah, it's an interesting bit of artistry. You know, another thing we haven't talked about yet, but is really pronounced in the scene, and and it's worth talking about in the film overall is music. Yeah, uh, you know, we get these punctuation, uh, these punctuations of music, as uh, as Ushitora, who I, I hope I'm I'm hope I'm remembering his name correctly. I should probably pull up the cast list just to make sure I'm not embarrassing myself here. But um, as he's coming down the stairs, but you know, the film has a fantastic score. And it's really it's really lyrical. I mean, it's a really you know bold and pronounced uh, score. And, you know, the, the main theme is is very memorable. And uh, I, I think the you know the movie is very much known for its for its music. And it's interesting in the sense that I you know you think about Sergio Leone making the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, which, which is an unofficial remake of this film. And of course, it's impossible to think about that movie and not think about Neo Morricone's. Amazing film score for it, and yeah. I can't help but you know wonder if uh, if Leon wasn't really inspired by the music in this film and said, you know, I need I'll, that. I need really distinctive music. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I'm sorry, just real quick. I love that scene where he's walking out. He's walking in. Yeah. They talk and they look at each other, but from you know with his back to him and with his front to us. You're, you're totally is, right this about their first the, encounter here. Yeah. You're you're absolutely right about the music and and also uh, just sound in general. Like the one thing I really do love is you know, and I, I kind of mentioned earlier with the the clacking of the yeah the, of the wood uh, blocks to let you know that you know the hours turn like time. Th- there's just certain sounds that they use that just give a very punctuated, very clean, clear. Just sort of I don't know. It just does a really good good job to to uh... <laughs> now. Watch closely here. We're gonna get uh, we're gonna get our first we're gonna get our first bit of kind of real graphic violence here with this arterial spray going <laughs> off the wall here. I love that look on his face though too. He really is like selling it. Like ah, yep. As he expires in the background. Now there's an interesting uh, there's an interesting exchange here. Between Sanjuro and uh, I'm not gonna not gonna die. Uh, not gonna not gonna work here anymore. Uh, Onosuke, as he's uh, as he's setting up the terms for for a prisoner exchange here. Now the actor the actor playing uh, playing this guy uh, Tatsuya Nakadai. He was he was a star in his own right at this point too. He he'd uh, he'd, he'd already done a lot of uh, a lot of big movies and everything. And so, you know, this movie was very much you know kind of like a Heat or something like that, like a De Niro Pacino, you know, together in the same film. They definitely marketed this film as you know kind of Mifune and Nakadai uh, together together at last in the same movie. And there's this there's this that there's little, that real interesting yeah. you know kind of exchange between them. And the thing about it is, is that, you know, I think that, I don't think that Sanjuro approves of him morally, but I think Sanjuro respects him. He, he knows that that guy, he knows that he's most of these guys not, are, 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 are really morons. I mean, yeah. most of these guys are really stupid people. And Sanjuro, I think, he has the sense that guy He respects his ability, isn't. respects his, you know. Yeah. 
I, I do. I agree. Now that theme is explored even more in Sanjuro. Um, and the climax to Sanjuro is, is it's the same two actors playing essentially the same two parts. Um, and the climax of the film is them facing off in what is, I think, you know, one of the most amazing action beats in cinema history. And, um, and, it, and, and really it's, the scene is mostly Sanjuro, is mostly uh, Nakadai's character uh, saying, you know, you've insulted my honor and, you know, now we got to throw down. And Sanjuro essentially begging him not to is like, look, you know, we're, we're just the same, you and I. And, um, and you, you don't have to let this honor thing, you know, get your feathers all ruffled and everything. You know, there's going to be other masters and life is going to go on. Uh, I, you know, I've been doing the Ronin thing for a while. Believe me, I know what I'm talking about. And um, just really do, does not want it. To he come doesn't to want. It. Yeah, exactly. Because he 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 sort of recognizes that they are a counterpoint to one another, and and Sanjuro <laughs> doesn't want to put him or uh, doesn't want to put him down. And um, that that whole notion of, of these two guys kind of being more alike than similar, and the, the kind of the tragedy. I mean, you you talk about like De Niro and Pacino in Heat. Yeah. I mean, like that relationship is essentially Sanjuro. And uh, and I can't remember his character's name in, in the next film, but uh, Nakadai Mafuna. That's basically their relationship in uh, in Sanjuro. Yeah. Which, if you haven't seen, also very worth watching. Great, great film. And it came out what maybe two years after this? Yeah, I want to say it was like sixty two or sixty three. It was it was just after this. Um, not not a direct sequel, but it, but essentially, I mean, you yeah, know, they're, they're considered. I, I I don't know how they're considered. It's, it's like basically like a companion film. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's it's a sequel of sorts, I suppose. But I mean, really, it's just kind of like another story with Sanjuro. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Sanjuro was sixty two, so it was a, it was a year later. So they've got this thing all worked out. They, they've got these witnesses that uh, that they're going to exchange, and of course, Onosuke, you know, knows that once the witnesses witnesses are dead, you know, they got uh, they got nothing to worry about. Shave your head and ask my brother to take over his heir. Top knots being very uh, being very important at the time. But Sebe turns out he's not quite as stupid as he looks. Now this is one of those this is one of those things that like in order for this device to really kind of work, like you gotta do a lot of exposition mid movie. Yeah. And and that's the that's the thing. Like this is a movie that the, the kind of the situation surrounding this is pretty dense actually. And just the whole kind of political situation and the history with these guys and all that. And um this woman is basically like she's the favorite consort of the sake brewer who is backing Onosuke and, and, and his and his brothers. Um that was amusing. <laughs> Ever the rogue. But you know you have to do like all this explaining about like who she is and what her significance is, and she's got this whole backstory. You know, like, like she's got a husband and a child, and it, she can't see them because it's, the sake brewer basically <laughs> you know is keeping her as a concubine. I mean, it's, Which, it's a if, really it's a really dense kind of backstory. If I can be honest, I I think it's actually one of the 
in a way, one of the low points of the film. Not low in the sense that it's, but it just, I don't, it, to me, it does feel like it comes kind of out of left field. Yeah. It's a little hard to understand. You really probably, in my opinion, I didn't, probably the first two or three times I watched the film, didn't really fully understand what was going on. Yeah. You know, by the end of the film, you do sort of get it. You know, you, you, after after you see everything that's, that, you know, happens uh, at the, you, you get what's going on, but it's just, for as well as everything sort of one leads to another, it does sort of feel a little, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's it doesn't come across as, uh, as, as cleanly as the other stuff that I like. Yeah. I, I think that you kind of get, I think that you kind of get what is, what is going on. You kind of get, you know, that she's someone of importance to the other side. Therefore, her being held is, captive is significant. Is that not one of the guys that was in Seven Samurai? It, do, it looks, it, it so looks like the main farmer, like, yeah. like the, the, you know, the Actually, guy who from profile doesn't know as much does he? The, the guy who, who sets off to, uh, yeah, the, to the, hire the samurai, yeah. hire the Ronin. I don't know if it's the same actor or not, but yeah, and, and so I, I've always did, thought the, the same profile, thing. He kind of, I don't know, it didn't didn't quite look the same. Let me see if I can. Um, He's ashamed, but because man, I tell you, it is. It's <laughs> such a chicken shit. Yep. So we've got the uh, so we've got the the silk merchant and the sake brewer. This is really a, kind of the first time in the film where we're kind of seeing them face off and, and really kind of getting the sense that that they are. They are the two guys. They are the driving forces behind uh, all of this, all of this violence and madness <laughs> that's been uh, that's been going on. And then this gets this gets pretty heartbreaking here in a yeah. second. So uh, this is the uh, this is the, the the woman who's being exchanged. This is her son and, and husband, and um, he's he's basically ashamed because he can't keep it from happening. You know yeah. what, what what has been happening to her for for however long. And there's this, there's this incredible, and I, I love that she literally, she, she is her desire to, you know, see is like just out, you know, pacing him. He can't stop her. He can't. Yeah, he's her an away. old man. What is he going to do? Yeah. Give, give me your rope, quick. Let's just get the shit over with. Give me that. And uh, all of this is kind of predicated upon the fact that you know, she's she's very beautiful, and that uh, you know. Shimura, the sake brewer, just uh, just wants her, and so he took her. You know, just took her away from her husband, from her family. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, slap! Why didn't you bite your tongue I off? Dies. <laughs> oh man, brutal, brutal lady. Here comes pig face. <laughs> I was just thinking about this, just you know, watching you know black and white film in, in general mm. is how, and, and also this transfer because this really is amazing. But uh, yeah, the Blu-ray is good, son. The um, like the contrast and all the detail in, in people's faces, it's it is kind of funny. It's like when you do when when the color isn't there, you, you sort of. I don't know. When you watch something on TV, sometimes it's, you don't get that definition. So sometimes it, it does kind of get a little muddy. But you just you see like the, the the costumes and like how everybody is wearing something different. Like on on a little crappy four by three old CRT, you just you you know they just all look like they're wearing gray. You know, and you yeah, can see this yeah. is really you know the 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 work and the design and the costumes and sets is just amazing. 
It is. It's it, like really good photography where, you know, like I, I've never, I've never been into photography, but I've seen like things where, you know, people talk about mixing their own, uh, uh, chemicals for doing like, you know, actual photography, like, you know, or, yeah, or like uh, developing and stuff. And I've got to imagine that that is something here where they really have to think about like how well something is lit, you know, how, is it going to, you know, how yeah. it's going to come across. What, I mean, you what, look what at sort all, of, what sort of texture are you going to use? And like, you know, how is that texture going to pick up light? Yeah. Is, is it going to respond well to edge lighting, you know, and just, I, I, I often For wonder. For this being such an old film, it just, it still amazes me that it's as, as technically proficient as it is, you know? Yeah. Well, and. It's uh, it, it's, granted, it's, it's a, damn good. Yeah, granted, it's at the the high end of the scale for for its time, but still, even then, it's just you know amazing to me. Yeah, it does. It, it's held up very, very well. Now, it's interesting. You know, again, you know, we talk about you know using the frame and using you know deep focus and everything, and watching this scene play out as you know the innkeeper is kind of expounding on you know what's been happening with this guy, and you know how his wife was taken away from him, and seeing Sanjuro in the background. Seemingly uninterested, Aloof. uninvested, but uh, but you know as in in much the same way as as you know as as Han Solo as a New Hope goes on, you know you find out that he is not quite the I don't give a fuck rogue that he purports to be, but that he actually does kind of care about the right and wrong of things. Uh, cut very much in the same cloth as Senjuro, you know, who as this film goes on. Um, is less and less able to, you know, just kind of stick to his initial to, to his initial mission of just killing a bunch of guys and having fun, and you know, he, he kind of begins to get invested in um, in helping people and in yeah. helping this this family specifically, which he's going to do right now. And I'll give you I'll give you another little spoiler warning: a lot of people are going to die. <laughs> Horribly. <laughs> so this is probably. <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time I see that guy, it just... Oh, it just uh... <laughs> it just kills me. Now he is. I want to say before I say that. Go look it up. Yeah. Now again, the uh, Onosuke, he's uh, he's not quite sure about Sanjiro. He he's not sure he's worth what his uh, what his brother's willing to pay. So, this is probably the ballsiest thing Sanchero does in the movie right here. He, uh, he's got to find, so, you know, he, he wants to find out where the woman is, so he's going to make this play, uh, going to try to sow some seeds of doubt as to whether or not, whether or not they've got enough, uh, they've got enough security to keep this woman Keep this woman under uh, under wraps because uh, Sebe, you know, he's saying, oh, Sebe's going to make another play for her. So, 
says, uh, you need somebody strong like Pigface here, <laughs> which, you know, he's, he's master manipulator, you know, playing into his ego. And the fact that Pigface looks up to him, you know, Pigface loves the idea that, you know, that Sanjuro respects what, him as a He as knew his equal. name. He knew he had he heard of his him. Name, you know, that's right. Like, uh, and but, so, you know, Sanjuro is just, he's playing a masterfully here. And um, I almost forgot. I gotta beat him. Up. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I forgot. That's who. Uh, who I was trying to figure out who that guy is. He is. He's in Seven Samurai as well. He's the yeah. uh, like right hand man to, uh, to 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 Shimura. Uh, not not like the guy he works with necessarily, but like he he used to be like sort of his yeah. He, he, his, well, not he and Shimura they fought together. They fought together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he and he plays a much more. A stronger role, like less, less sort of, you know, yeah. like, less unibrowy and less one. stupid. Less stupid. He's like, oh, they're all dead, and then the guy comes out, like, what are you talking? Oh, so now he's got to make them all dead. And you look at the time frame in this, like literally, you know, the the other guy is uh, is running, running back to warn them, and he's getting all this done, and it ends up happening, and what? Fifteen, not a couple minutes. You know, like like the whole the whole thing. You know, yeah, it doesn't take long. Now, I think that, I think they shot this slightly undercranked, um, but uh, it, it's it's going pretty fast. And Mafuni's doing that. To, uh, he's doing that work <laughs> himself. So he reunites them. And he's like, "All right, get the fuck out of here." But here's the thirty row that he he got from. He says he stole it. He took from Ushitora. Yeah. Um, and now he's going to do this whole kind of like CSI crime scene staging thing. <laughs> um, but uh, I love this too because you got to imagine this had to be done in one take. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like it's Mafuna's it, just—he's just doing it, man. He's it, just like going for it, kicking the shit out of things. Like you think in films, like you know, they they probably try to make it in such a way that you know, well, if it doesn't, you know, if something happens, we can shoot it again if we need if need be. No. Now this place, literally, he does destroy this he place. He destroys this set, not for the scene, but like in real life, it is it is completely gone. He just fucks it up, and he does it in one take. Um, I, I know that uh, I remember reading that the sound effects in this film, particularly the sound effects of sword cutting through bone and flesh, yeah, uh, were were pretty. They were they were pretty realistic and pretty disturbing at the time. It was one of those. People One of those things in that, theaters were like sort yeah, of, like, oh god, you know, like it's uh, the, the film. The film was uh, was a bit notorious on, on that level at the time for uh, for for its use of uh, of realistic sound effects. And he comes back out, and uh, all right, they should be long gone by. What the fuck? Oh my god, you idiot! But they're they're so just indebted, you know. And he's yeah. like, look, you fucking retards. You're gonna get us all killed. Oh man, I hate pathetic weaklings. Start crying and I'll kill you. <laughs> but of course, uh, of course, Sanjiro is not quite the uh, the heartless mercenary. Yeah, he's just he's he, he's just trying to say whatever he can to get them the hell get out them of here. Out. Don't ever come back. And of course, uh, you know this this guy and his behavior, like you like you're seeing a, a foreshadowing of right here. This ends up fucking Sanjiro over pretty hardcore. Yeah, <laughs> idiot. No good deed goes unpunished, as they say. I love it's like thirty men running, just appearing out of darkness.
So um, here we have the aftermath. And if, but and what I love is, is you know, if you know, sometimes if you're not, if you're listening to us and they're not able to keep up with it, like literally when they walk up, nothing is wrong here. But he tells them this has happened, like this, yeah. this huge thing has happened. He says, "Go let them know how bad it is," and then he goes in and does it, which I just think is so, is so bad. <laughs> so it it's is. just. It's like, oh, you'll never, you you won't believe how much he trashed it in there. And, you know. Oh, it's a massacre. Now, Not if you watch uh, Unasuke here, he's, um, he's, he's paying attention. Yeah. You know, everybody else is just seeing want and death and destruction. And just taking it on its face, you know. Yeah, kinda. but he's, he's looking a little bit deeper. He's looking between the lines. Again, he's, uh. He's probably the most formidable guy in the film. So now, uh, now we kind of get to the get to the heart of the matter. Ushitora lashing out against not Sebe, but uh, the silk merchant slash mayor. Yeah. And really, the uh, as we said, you know, really. The guy at the uh, at the heart of the conflict, uh, or you know his his uh, his conflict with uh, the sake brewer. Great bit of though, this fire rolls out of the window here in the background. Great shot. Dude knows exactly what to do with yeah. it. He's one, you know, and of course you know they hit back on the sake brewer, and you know now we got all this all this problem. You know that that actor is one of the he's one of the few people that was in this uh, in this movie that's still alive. Really? Yeah. I guess he's he's like in his eighties now. Wow. But um, he's uh, he's interviewed. Uh, there was a Toho Films did a um, they did some kind of like retrospective series on Kurosawa. I guess it was back in the I don't know maybe like late eighties, early nineties, something like that. And uh, he's one of the people that's interviewed, uh, you, you know, along with you know some people that were still that were still around then, you know, uh, uh, property masters and you know set decorators, things like that. You know, like, like the members of, of crew and so forth that were uh, that were still alive. That you know, they interviewed a lot of them about uh, about working on Kurosawa's films. Hmm. Some really really interesting anecdotes uh, and stories. You know, people just kind of talking about working with Kurosawa and what he was like. Which you know, it seems like. Seems like he was a pretty stern taskmaster, you know, a taskmaster. Yeah. He was a he was a guy that you know people generally enjoyed working for, but you know he could be he could be uh, you know very very um, maybe, could, maybe he, not unfair to work for, not but, unfair, but, but he, he was demanding. Or demanding yeah, yeah. He, 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 I get the impression he was a very demanding director that he he expected everybody to be at the top of their game, and, and if you weren't, he uh, he was not afraid to let you know how disappointed he was in you. Yeah, but. Uh, you know, I, I I think that you know his films were so good and his vision so great that you know that people um, it seems to have it. been I mean, a very they, rewarding experience. Yeah. So he, he also he got the best out of people. Yeah, maybe kind of like Steve Jobs in that sense. You know, sure. A- outside looking in, some people think you know maybe what he was asking for was unfair or unrealistic, and you know wh- whether it was or wasn't, it, it the the end result bore. Many you know many fruits to yeah uh, and, and I think you know in, in some in some ways you know maybe kind of justified any any yelling that might have occurred although I, I don't think that you know I don't think he ever had a reputation as being a I, I don't think people considered him to you know to be a just a 
brute or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Know, like, just I, I, a, I don't think that anybody considered him to, you know, to be an unpleasant person per se, but uh, although <laughs> there is a story, there's a story about uh, Mifune went to dinner at, I think they went to dinner at Kurosawa's house and he went with uh, the Shimuras, Takashi Shimura and his wife. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and I guess Mifune was not happy with Kurosawa. And so they left, and, and Mifune, Mifune had been drinking, naturally. <laughs> and, uh, and he was driving. He was driving the Shimuras home. And uh, he, uh, he wanted to uh, – he says he wanted to, like, uh, call Kurosawa an asshole or something like that. And, uh, and, and the Shimura says, well – you know, how about wait until we cross, like, like, I don't know, like the county line or something. Like, you know, wait until we cross the, the bridge of the train tracks, you know, before you do it. So they get to, like, the bridge of the train tracks where they roll over and Mifune just leans his head out the window and screams, Asshole! <laughs> careening down the road, no doubt driving under the influence, which uh, which we don't encourage, kids. You should never do that. But uh, anyway. It, it uh, is funny, but you do... You do kind of hear stories that I, I do think that Kurosawa and Mifune had this, like, great deal of respect for one another. Yeah. But I don't think particularly liked each other. Like, you know, like like in terms of yeah. a friendly sense. Like, I, I mean, I think respected, knew that they knew that for, bo- for both of them... It was good for both of them to, to be at their best and to, you yeah. know, like, like they needed one another to sort of bring – they both brought the best out in each other, I guess is what yeah. I'm trying to say. And – but, I mean, it, it does sort of seem because, like, apparently they even had, you know, sort of a – you know, not a – well, I mean, you know, they, they – well, I can't remember the last film, but, there you know, there was a point where Mifune's like, I'm not working with them anymore. Yeah, and, and, and they, they never worked again, right, until they finally – they finally sort of reconciled. Yeah, they, they, they reconciled personally, but I don't think they ever worked together again after – I want to say Redbeard. I want to say Redbeard yeah. was their last movie. And I think they, they – by the time they reconciled, I don't think – Kurosawa was even making films anymore, or Mifune for that matter, I don't think. Or, or if they did, they don't, you know, there wasn't even really much of a chance for them to have worked again, I don't think. Because uh, I think one of them passed away not terribly long after they reconciled. Yeah. But, um. That is my recollection as well. Yeah, so now we've, we've kind of got it where. Yeah. Finally, the, uh, the. On the, the suitcase figured it out. The restaurant owner is, is kind of finally figured out where he's coming from, but at the same time, so have a few so, others. So have, so have the bad guys. And of course, uh, unfortunately, what's really going to seal his fate is this uh, this note that uh, the guy that he, he uh, that he saved wrote to him. And unfortunately, that is that is probably going to be that's going to be his undoing. So the restaurant owner is going to he's he's going to try to get th- this note out on the sly. Yeah. Again, really, really using the edge of frame here to try to capture all these performances, but nope, not gonna make it. Alas, might might have made, been able to get out of it at that point, but not now. Not now. From Kohei and Noi. This is actually another kind of concept that seems like we see a lot of in more contemporary movies. Is like the whole kind of the protagonist or the the, the main person. Is kind of smarter than everyone else, yeah. But his good deeds kind of turn on him at some yeah. point, and, and you know he uh, undoes him at some point. Yeah, it's interesting. And then, he, then you know, at first he doesn't need anybody. In the beginning, he can do it all, and in the end, he needs he needs so. others to, to sort of help him. You know, and that's although you can make the argument that if he had just been heartless and never helped those guys, it would never have happened. It's a good point. But uh, of course, if he just 
spun that stick around a little more too, he could have been going different, you That's know, true. totally different direction as well. That's true. He could have gone some, to some other town with less scary. Uh, this is kind of, also kind of interesting. Uh, they do sometimes in films, is you know, it's like I don't know, and like in current films, especially like actiony kind of ones, like they make a point of showing the like you know beating, the beating. up of the mayor. And this yeah, one, they just, this, we just they cut sh- to we, we cut to the aftermath. Like he is <laughs> he is beat the fuck up. And and I love how I love how the big dude with the mallet <laughs> is basically just like, you want me to do it again? If you, if not, stay down. Don't get up. I told you not to get up. That's right. A pat from you is like a beating from a normal man. Yeah, th- this guy, uh, he's, he's been kind of a quiet menace the entire film, but w- he really becomes a pretty, uh, he becomes a pretty well, direct threat. Well, and, and, you know, they do kind of, in a way, they, they sort of point, like, once the, once the sword is out of his hand, that really is kind of his, he is a master with a sword. Yeah. Uh, without it, maybe, maybe not, you know. That, that it's that He's having a little bit more trouble. Yeah. Just a bit. This guy, the uh, the giant, the ogre. He, he also, I will point out, his facial features are sharp enough to cut you. <laughs> like if you just look at him, your eyeballs will be cut by his facial features. He's a really big dude. Like I can't, <laughs> <laughs> that looked painful. I mean, look, he is a head taller yeah. than that guy. Dude, he's like two heads taller than him. <laughs> Jeez, he's gigantic. Grown, <laughs> just <laughs> barely moving in the corner here. These horizontal wipes that uh, that Kurosawa was using, you know, of course, uh, you know, you, you see these a lot of George Lucas movies, Lucas, yeah, Star Wars, Indiana Jones. I, th- I think that that you know this kind of transition is something that was also you know utilized in like the Republic serials and things like that, which were obviously a big influence on both Star Wars and Indiana Jones. But, uh, you don't you know, really see it anymore, though. You know, nobody really does that. Do not they? really. No, it, it does seem to be a. It does seem to be kind of a style of, um, of filmmaking that just has never had any kind of great resurgence. Although it does seem to have, it does seem to kind of have its place in certain genres. Bet J.J. Abrams does some. Uh, I, bet he I was going to say, I, I have a feeling there will be a few in the next Star Wars. I would be willing to bet you're right. So really, in, in this scene with uh, with again the the brilliant Takashi Shimura, um, and this candle does amazing too. You look not too <laughs> but the, the thing that I was going to say is, it is really kind of interesting because this is this is the one scene in the film where you see uh, Ushitora, the Ushitori, the uh, the older the older brother. You really see him showing deference to uh, to Shimura's character, to the sake brewer, and this yeah. is. I think th- this is the scene that really kind of clinches just, you know, who is in charge and uh, and the nature of these relationships and everything. Of course, you know, this guy is, you know, very, very petty in a sense uh, in that, you know, he's risking, you know, this huge enterprise, all this money, all this organization and everything he's pussy. got. Basically, yeah. Basically, you know, for this, this woman who he stole, who who, who stole from he her husband. He stole you, exactly. I do kind of like it because <laughs> it, it just <laughs> some some of these don't feel all of that threatening until he like throws him halfway. That's right. Across until the he room. grabs him by the face and throws him across the room. That trunk is gonna 
the truck. I like, I love yeah. how he bows to him and then, and then just pushes get the out fuck of out. Like, okay, I understand. Yeah, get the fuck out of my way. Let me do my job. That chest is going to end up being. Uh, that chest is going to end up playing a pivotal role here in just a minute. Now, again, um, I, I seem to remember reading, or, or maybe it's in the commentary, and I've forgotten. But this uh, this escape sequence. Spoiler. Mafune is going to escape. But uh, this escape sequence, uh, again, inspired by um, inspired by something I, I want to say from, yeah, maybe like a, maybe like a, a film noir um, that, uh, you know, but, you know, the kind of, the idea of this of kind of, you know, tricking the guys and, you know, getting in the trunk, et cetera, that this is based on, uh, on some favorite film of Kurosawa's. Although for whatever reason, I'm thinking it's like, uh, uh, I'm thinking it's like a film noir, although I'm, I'm probably not going to remember the. Probably not going to remember the title, even with even with Wikipedia at my disposal. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, another thing that I was kind of thinking of in, in watching this is, uh, you know, we talk about that whole thing. Of, about uh, you know the, the hero, the hero is only good as the obstacles in front of him. And you know up till now, Sanjuro's Sanjuro's been you know straight up badass. I mean you know there's yeah. nothing that's really given him any grief. And then all of a sudden you know he he is having all kinds of fucking problems. And um, you, you know you don't really see any way for him legitimately to get out of it. To, you know I mean to a degree right. like he's it, it it really does feel like it's a, a hopeless situation almost at this point. It really is, but. Um, it, it makes it all the more it makes it all the more compelling and all the more heroic, you know, for him to um, for him to to rise out of this defeat and uh, and claim and claim victory. And uh, it, again, you know, you, you could very easily watch this film and say, "Oh, well, you know, these things are all very cliche." And you know, all movies do this now. It's like, yeah, but they the reason that all movies not, do this is because this movie exactly did it. not you know? not all movies. At this point in time, had done this. That's yes. exactly right. You know, a lot of things that we consider cliche, this movie invented. Yeah, which is why it's. Uh, I, I think why it's got the it rightfully has the legacy that it does. <laughs> Just barely gets the robe in. So I'm I'm trying to think. There, there's been a number of remakes of this. Obviously, the uh, A Fistful of Dollars is probably probably the the most famous. Um, Who was the Bruce Willis? Bruce Willis did like that. Uh, yeah, what was it? It was uh, Last Man Standing. Last Man Standing. Yeah. Last Man Standing, uh, which was which is kind of interesting, you know, because we were talking about you know how this is uh, in a lot of ways, you know, this movie probably has roots in in film noir. Um, Maybe even kind of more than, or you know, as much as you know, like maybe kind of in equal parts to like westerns. Yeah. And Last Man Standing is kind of like both. It's like it's like a gangster movie set like in a western town during the Prohibition era. You know, it's it's kind of a kind of a hard boiled detective film and a western. Yeah. Just combined together, and um, but yeah, it, it's it's like an official remake. I mean, it's it's like I'm know, pretty like sure it recognized is. Yeah, like like where they I remake. think have to. I'm sure they probably had like license it type right. things. I think if if it's a based on the movie. film Yojimbo, yeah, that seems. kind of thing. As as opposed to a fistful of dollars, which I don't think, I don't think 
I don't think that they, they credited they or recognized it. Yeah, or recognized that, that they were essentially remaking this. And as a matter of fact, I, I'm almost thinking now that they had some legal trouble with that when they tried to distribute overseas. I think you're right. I think they they did, and then I think like had to come to some sort of agreement where they I, yeah with Toho. Yeah, did they did they finally have to cave and put that put it in there? I don't know. That's a that's I almost feel like question. they do because I remember watching that not too long ago, and I'm almost thinking, I'm almost feeling like I saw something like you know with 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 special help from Toho or something like you know some some sort of you know like reference to it. Maybe I'm crazy. Okay, well, uh, Wikipedia doesn't go into a lot of detail, but it does say that um, that the resulting lawsuit um, because they because they failed to secure the rights to remake Yojimbo. The resulting lawsuit delayed Fistful's release in North America for three years. Hmm. I don't know if there was any kind of lasting legal legal trouble beyond that, but certainly it caused them some problems at the time. Um, and that was made in 1964, so I mean, it really not yeah. It just it followed right on the heels of, of this. <laughs> this is a great bit of this is a great bit of uh, of comedy here. It keeps trying to poke up the floorboards and. Uh, People just keep running through this goddamn room. <laughs> it's a little bit like some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. It's a little bit like that. Or a body. <laughs> One crazy eye. You know, it, I, I really love, uh, we didn't really talk about it, but that, that whole escape sequence where he's he's uh, crawling around underneath uh, the houses and everything. It, it's, a, it's a really great bit of business. And, you know, it's like I can't really think of like an analog for like, you know, how you would do that like in a Western, like, like a... Uh, I mean, Western as in, like, you know, like, like a North American-style film. Or, you know, like, or let's yeah. just say Western, like, you know, a Western that, you know, well, took how, place how does it, how does it in happen in? I, how does it happen in, like, say... Uh, I'm struggling to remember now. I'm trying to remember what happens when he... But, you know, certainly you can't go crawling underneath all the buildings because, you know, we don't construct our buildings the same way. You know, and everything's not built up off the ground. Yeah. The way that, uh, the way that buildings in Japan often were, I guess. So... It, I, I always found that like really inventive, and I, I guess just unique because you just don't see that kind of thing. Because uh, architecturally, you know, you can't really you can't really do it. Do that, yeah. That, that same. I trick. guess we. I guess we go. I guess you know, it's like the equivalent of like sneaking through the air ducts. Yeah, you know, yeah. people are forever sneaking through those air ducts. By the way, don't ever sneak through the air ducts. They're not big enough for you. Yes. <laughs> They're they're nowhere near the size of what you've seen on TV. That's exactly right. Go on YouTube and look up videos of, of supposed master criminals trying to break into businesses through the air ducts and getting stuck and calling 911 from inside the air ducts <laughs> to have the fire department fish them out. Go watch those videos before you go trying to sneak through any air ducts. Although back when uh, back when the Star Wars special editions came out, you remember that giant like thirteen foot Millennium Falcon that Toys R Us had hanging in the rafters. I do remember. <laughs> I totally wanted to crawl through their air ducts. I do and remember that us. That, that was definitely back at the time where we really legitimately considered stuff like that. Well, like we considered talk, like you and I, the you, you and I and Eric. Well, what we talked about, as I recall, what we talked about was that we were going to uh, we were going to sneak into the store and try to find a way to hide in the store Eight. until after they closed. <laughs> and and what what I remember talking about is okay what we'll do is like we'll climb up the we'll like climb up the uh, the, and the like the shelves and like hide on top hide behind the top stuff yeah, where they usually yeah. had bigger boxes up top and stuff. That was going to be our brilliant scheme is we were gonna, we were going to climb up the shelves we we're going to hide on the top 
racks of the shelves behind like the, the, the big boxes, <laughs> wait for the store to close, and then we we would have run of the place and uh, and we would, we would cut down the Millennium Falcon and and make off with it. And of course, you know, never mind, you know, motion sensors, the cameras, cameras, video yeah. recording. The, the fact that I still don't know that we could have gotten it down on our own, like it would have needed a, a small well, grain. You know, none of us owned a truck at the time. How would we have transported it? You know, uh, how would we have just, and, and I can't remember like our brilliant, because the whole thing was like, well, who gets it? We were like, well, like we'll each we'll, keep we'll, it for like, you know, like we'll just, we'll just hand it off. Like we'll each have it in our house for like a month or something like that. And, and then we'll, uh, <laughs> and then we'll hand it on. It's probably good that Falcon we never. Yeah. It's probably good we never did that. It probably is. Our our <laughs> we we might still be in prison because we would have you know like had to shank somebody while we were in there during our first couple of years. That's right. It, it, it could have been bad, but uh, <laughs> and it seems we were it, definitely much more schemers back then. <laughs> we <I> were. <laughs> we uh, were total schemers, but I don't think that. Um, I don't think it would have worked. Yeah, that's, that's I the bottom like, line. I feel like luckily we came to that decision <laughs> relatively yes. quickly. Yes, it's uh, funny. So we're uh, we're kind of gearing up. We're kind of gearing up just, for the final bit of business here. Real quick, I just remembered that act, the actor there—that's the, the the gentleman who owns the restaurant that you know is yeah, helpful. He uh, he reminds me so much of there's a, there's another uh, more uh, more recent Asian actor and he's the um, oh crap I, was, I just had it in my head there's another movie he's in but he, he really does he looks like shit I'm gonna see if I can find while you're doing that I'm gonna have a laugh here where uh, he gets the- where Sanjiro's like they're carrying him in this casket they're telling him what's going on he's like wait that sounds interesting sit me down I want to watch <laughs> and they're like. Uh, <laughs> Shouldn't we like, be, shouldn't we be escaping? Out of here? It's like, oh no, no, we definitely got to check this out. I can't see from here. Move farther out. <laughs> Again, there's <laughs> some really funny shit in this movie, man. This gag coming up here, I'm going to try not to spoil it, but. Uh, Again, think of the, like this shot though, like where yeah. they've had to have this whole thing going on back here with fires raging, how you know buildings massive on fire. amounts of light, and you only see that going on. Now that we panned into, you had a bunch of, of footage of him, you know, getting walked over, sat down, talked for a second, come over, you know, a lot yeah. of other stuff going on, and these guys have had to sort of stay ready and be in the moment, you know, a lot of big staging. So now we're kind of seeing the massacre of Sebe's crew at the hands of uh, Onosuke and his guys, and this is, uh, I, I was talking earlier about uh, about you know the brutal demise that, uh, that some of these people come to, and we're about to uh, we're about to witness it right here. You got this guy, you know, trying to surrender. Nope, nope. We're not uh, we're not taking any surrender today. So they've smoked them out. And just basically, they're uh, they're cutting them down one after another. I love this. He comes, idiot! Don't leave your post. He says, "I killed those two guys who killed three of ours." He's got the numbers right this time. (laughs) 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 Going back to that joke from when we first meet him. And now, here come the geisha running for their lives. And here she comes. Bitter to the end. 
And Pigface has they're, at her, man. Just cuts her down. I think even they are are sort of like they they're they like, they're damn, like boy. oh shit, man. Yep. Yuchiro. So here comes Sebe. He's got all the fight. Uh, he's had all the fight taken out of him at this point. I really wonder how they did this. I mean, with all this smoke and everything, I mean, how did he say they're just yeah. breathing smoke, basically? Unless that's what took so long for him to kind of come out, is maybe they're behind yeah. where it's at and they had to kind of walk through it. But yeah, it's it looks pretty legit, doesn't it? Like this, the one one moment he almost <laughs> shows some backbone there. Yeah, it's very short lived though. Now this this is absolutely one of the most spectacular gags in the entire film right here. So they're looking for Sanjuro at this point. They they assume that he's escaped back to Sebe's because that's what the innkeeper told him. But uh, they're not finding him. So a hunting we will go. Dude, that dude just doesn't even look human. <laughs> he just I mean, he really is big. He's like that. Uh, what's that guy's? He's I think he's a French Canadian. He's in um, he's in three hundred. He's in um, he's in. Uh, oh, Sherlock I know Holmes. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he, he plays like the giant in three hundred, yeah. and he plays like that gigantic Frenchman in Sherlock Holmes. I know who you're talking about, but I, I have really no idea what his name is. <laughs> I can't remember his name now for the life of me. But he's a very big man yes, too. Yeah, I think I think he I think he was a wrestler. Uh, I think he got into wrestling in in Canada, huh. crossed over into film. But anyway, so, uh, so so here comes Pigface, and uh, the casket maker has abandoned them. He's gotten scared and run off. So Sanjiro's like, uh, "Get Pigface to help carry me." <laughs> it's, it's just the, I mean, it's just the most, it's the ballsiest, is the ballsiest gambit maybe in the entire film. <laughs> but they fortunately picked the stupidest person alive to pull it on. <laughs> His face, oh, dude. dude it is. This guy is incredible. And the innkeeper knows exactly what to do. Yeah. Knows, knows to goad him on and to, to, to question his question his, his courage. And and then the the irony is that the guy goes practically skipping and running into the next scene. He's just he's just all too happy to go running. In, look at this, running <laughs> into the graveyard. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I feel like there's a scene in Seven Samurai where he did a similar thing where he was like carrying. Deep, 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 he could just do yeah, that. Just up, 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 up. Yeah, keep trotting along. Up. Of course, he's getting scared shitless now that they're in the. Yeah. <laughs> where are the ghosts? <laughs> they only appear to security cats like me, not to brave guys like you. It's that big dumb grin on his face. <laughs> I'll help. I'll help her. Yeah. <laughs> Yet again, just oh, I forgot. I've got to beat him up. <laughs> Off he goes. Very convenient. And again, you know, uh, something that you know that probably has got to become a cliche in modern movies, which is the. The predictably stupid bad guy that the uh, the good guys are able to take care of. Yeah, it's not quite as bad as uh, hey down there. Uh, 
Having a little trouble. Can you give us a hand? <laughs> TK421, why aren't you at your post? TK421, respond! Uh, what's he saying? <laughs> Negative, we've got a uh, reactor leak here. <laughs> give us a few minutes to lock it down. Large leak, very dangerous. Who is this? What's your operating number? That's uh, a boring conversation anyway. <laughs> I tell you, Sanjuro's not looking so good here. <laughs> Look at this fall. Smack! That looked like that might have hurt a little bit. I wouldn't do that. Not at my age. How old am I? Now, this gag here, this is fantastic. This is a reverse, uh, this is a reverse motion shot. Where they're running the camera backwards. And you can see there's a string on the knife there. It's to give the illusion of him. To, to give the illusion of him throwing it. You know, like they've got the knife stuck in the floor with the leaf. They yank the knife out. The leaf goes blowing. They follow it. I mean, it's just, you know, it's and a simple know, trick, but really well done. And you think about it, like, you know, we can see, you know, we, we see now, we clearly see the string hanging on the end there and whatnot. But, I mean, yep. honestly, back in that day, people weren't looking they for things like that. Yeah, we're we're in a day and age where people try to pick shit apart, you That's know. The, I mean, these days, if, if you... If you, you know, did like some CG shit on that, you know, if you went and I, you know, no. did some rig removal, I could delete that string in After Effects. Yeah. You go in, you delete that string, and the effect is, is, is so seamless. And it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just a really simple, you know, just reverse motion shot. But, uh, man, I tell you, sometimes the old ways are still the best ways. So we find out that, um... It's they, been, what, how many, it's been a couple of days, right? Or yeah, it's, it, I can't remember how long week. it's been. I get the feeling it's been, you know, maybe a week or so. But uh, our friend, the coffin maker, who we've been running down this whole film, man, he comes through in a pinch. Look at him get out of the way. And, and you know, I think he does too because I, I think he one. There's nobody left in town. <laughs> like yeah. I mean, he just, it's like who who is he going to protect or who is he going to care about? But I think he does sort of. You know, he's not quite as bad as all these other characters, exactly. so he sort of feels bad for uh, the innkeeper. And you know, we start this shot, and you think this guy might be fucking dead, yeah. and. Uh, and stretching his neck on a rope. Again, you know, using the wide frame, using the deep focus. I mean, you know, just I mean, look. using using all all the dimensions available to them in this shot. Really an outstanding film. And then as we uh, as we crane up here, we, we find out that he is, in fact, still alive. But, uh, you know, it's a great device, you know, with Sanjuro in that, uh, in that little temple, throwing the knife and everything. It simultaneously kind of gives us an indication of, oh, you know, so he's... He's doing better. He's getting his strength back. You know, yeah. giving you you know some hope that you know he's going to be able to he's going to be able to affect some kind of retribution in this scene. But what you don't really kind of put together until just a second here is the fact that uh, he knows that he's got to take out Unasuke and his uh, and his handgun. So he's been practicing just for it. He's uh, he, he's been working on a method to disable him. Oh, come on, sir. What do you need all this training for? <coughs> Just going to push a button. Put your hand on that wall. <laughs> Note, your enemy cannot press a button if you disable his hand. It's actually still... It, it, it's not good. <laughs> it's not a great but, movie. But it's but got it, some it's got some, moments. It's got some quotable, uh, <laughs> it's got some quotable moments. Mostly, mostly thanks to Michael Ironside and Clancy Brown. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that not too long ago, and I think yeah, I, I watched tried it on to, TV. I, I tried, and it you know it, it it held up okay. It wasn't nearly yeah. as you know, it, but 
But then I think I tried to watch the sequel. Oh my, oh my god, god, yeah. Like it, that that series went downhill so quick. I mean, it almost didn't feel like professionally made. <laughs> like it didn't <laughs> like and and maybe maybe it wasn't. Maybe it, like wasn't. it, it was just oh. Maybe it was actually Casper Van Diem's web show and they just put in CG bugs in the oh background. God, it was it was not good. It was bad. Now check out what they're doing here. This is kind of interesting with cinematography. Notice that you know we've got Sanjuro full full figure dead center frame. And we're mirroring that with Unasuke. And it, it's a really interesting and kind of subtle way of uh, of communicating that I mean, there's other guys there, but this fight is really between them. Well, and they do sort of positions. So you can still see everybody, like in front or mo- you know, the, the fairly major characters left. You yeah. Know? But really, this is about these two guys at this yeah. point. And this is great here. Watch this. Don't come any closer. Watch with, watch Sanjuro. <laughs> with a hitch of the shoulders, he steps up the pace, and now we find out what all that knife work was for. Uh oh. Uh oh. There goes your spleen. Hope you liked it. And at this point, it goes fast. Yeah, it, it, that is an interesting thing. You know, you you think like these days, y- y- movies just they, they they would just eke every one of these you know yeah. kills out basically. And here and, we uh, here we go. The kid at the beginning of the film that's running away from home to uh, you know to go be a gambler, and Mafune sends him packing. Back to his mommy. Full circle, as I as I <laughs> promised. But yeah, you're right. I, I mean, modern films, they would. I mean, they, they they would milk that action scene for all it's worth. And you know, I'm not I'm not saying that, that that's wrong. It, it's definitely a very it's definitely a much more kind of simple approach in this movie. But it's effective on a different level. Well, and it lets them. I don't know. It's almost like it lets them focus on the more important aspects of it. Because really, yeah. that point, you're just wanting to see that revenge and they're like you know look he gets his revenge it's more important to see other aspects of it you know what's going on and uh this is i love the, the yeah. blood coming the blood leaking out from under this guy yeah. in the soil oh yeah man it's it's i stuff. love that like he, he he feels naked without it. he's kind of playing on his yeah like the yeah, same way the sanjiro has been playing yeah. everybody onosuke is gonna he's gonna have a go at it here in his final moments and what's kind of interesting about this is that I don't think Sanjuro really plays it like he doesn't know what the guy's doing. Yeah. He's just betting that he's he's wounded him severely enough that whatever he's planning, he ain't going to have time to, to actually pull off. And I think he's even sort of like... I don't know. It's like a... Part of it is like to give him some sort of like, you know... Yeah, you you still can get one over on me to a certain degree, like yeah. you know. But but, and he's he's certainly he's certainly trying to he's certainly scheming to, but uh, it ain't gonna work. You know, it, it's also kind of interesting the way that Kurosawa <laughs> uses guns in his films. You know, they, they kind of represent, I think, the encroachment of the modern world on, you know, the kind of the, the samurai era. You know, the end of the samurai era. Which you know definitely came about through modernization and westernization, westernization of Japan, and, and in a very similar way, you know, like the the rifle in Seven Samurai is kind of symbolic of the same kind of thing, the end of one way of of living and the the introduction of another. And, and also, sort of, I think they played a little bit for the almost like the 
I don't know, almost to a certain degree, like the weaker men need the weapons. Exactly. Like the, the, yes, the, exactly right. I, that's definitely, that definitely seems to be the viewpoint Kurosawa was taking. Yeah, on. yeah. And, and maybe weaker is not important, but just that they use it as a crutch versus as, as a tool or that's something. That's right. You know? A real warrior doesn't need that. Again, the sound in this, it is kind of, yeah, cr- it's, 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 it's really kind of haunting. It yeah. really is. Especially with the look, like, you know, the, the, that just hollow look to his, to his face and, you know, you yeah. know what he's, well, you don't know. But you don't know, you, but you, I mean, you know that to, he's not doing so well right now. Yeah. He's not, he's not exactly in a, in, a, in his right frame of mind and. You know, it, it's it's interesting. You know, he's wearing these robes and everything. He's actually wearing a sword too. But you really get that this is more. Who's banging the prayer drum? I don't need any prayers. Guy takes a long time dying, but they do some great stuff with it. But anyway, you know, even though this guy's wearing a sword, I mean, you know, he. It's obvious that you know he's not samurai. You know this is somebody who's adopted the wearing of a sword because he's got he's got money basically, you know, and it's an affectation. Yeah. Having said that, though, that is not going to prevent him from using said sword to uh, to gut his rival. And that's kind of the interesting thing is at the end of all this, it's still about these two guys, and you know he just does what has been a long time coming. It would appear. Although, it doesn't really seem like he's going to be able to enjoy the spoils of this. He seems <laughs> he seems pretty far gone at this point. And, and and I don't know that there are spoils to be had at this point. I mean, it's that's very true. Everything is uh, that's very mm. very true. But yeah, he's uh, he's toys in the attic. This guy's fifty one fifty. I love how he still has. That he's rope still got the rope on two bit. Are you there? Always running him down. Chilling last message. Now... Sanjiro's kind of last-minute admonishment of him, like I said, that that those last bits of drama, that's really explored quite a bit more in Sanjiro. Oh my God, this is my favorite line ever. <laughs> Atsuke, go hang yourself. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> oh my God, that's great. But and, that last bit of dialogue, and and as if that wasn't enough, this. This bit here is great too. Of course, they kind of foreshadowed this with the uh, the yakuza's robes. Here it comes. <laughs> See you around, and then the, the score kicks in. And Oh yeah, Dude, I tell you, it is. It's classic. Oh my god, that that last fantastic. bit of dialogue too. That he says he's like he, he died as recklessly as he lived. Like I love the idea that he's like, look, you've, you're you're dying now. Rather than you know, what think of your loved ones or you know care about whatever. It's like you're, you're literally your last thing is that you want you still want to kill me and that That's you'll right. be waiting to kill me. You know, and, uh, it's I don't know. I, it's it's very uh, I don't know. it's awesome. Such a good movie. It's such fucking awesome, movie. is what it is. 
So, uh, so there you go, guys. Akira Kurosawa's classic, uh, brilliant film, Yojimbo, casts a long shadow in the uh, in the annals of, uh, of film history. With and the for good reason. If you haven't seen it before, hopefully, uh, I, you know, I don't know. Like if for people that are watching these that haven't maybe seen these films, if they are watching them first, then listen to the commentary. But if not, go back and. Uh, definitely watch it without us yammering on because it's it's much more the, enjoyable the, without us. Well, and, and really the music and the sound and and I man, it's just it's so the 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 delivery of lines like everyone. It's just it's such a good it's just such a good film. And unfortunately, I don't know that we'll necessarily get to do another Kurosawa film anytime. You know, I mean, just because I mean, we we love we love that uh, so many films well, of it, but just you know, it, it may be a while about doing we, Seven Samurai, but it's yeah. like three fucking hours. It's like three hours, and um, it's a commitment. And Sanjuro, I actually haven't seen Sanjuro in a while, so it, you know, we talked about doing that. We talked about yeah. um, a couple different films, but anyway, I would highly suggest if you haven't seen some of the other stuff, definitely go check but, it out as well. Yo, Jimbo's a great entry point, you know, for, for like if you've never seen a Kurosawa film in your life. Yojimbo ain't a bad place to start. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. It really ain't. It, it, it's a, it's a great film, and I think I think it holds up incredibly well. Oh, absolutely. I, I still love it. I just, man, it's it, it's just badass. Just such a good good such good flick. Forwards and backwards. This has been the drive home breakdown of Yojimbo. We hope you enjoyed this one just as much as we enjoyed recording it. And uh, if you are interested in any other Akira Kurosawa films, we mentioned uh, a couple there. Uh, Seven Samurai, probably his most well-known. Frankly, probably the one most people have seen. Uh, Sanjuro, also uh, sort of the spiritual successor slash sequel-ish to Yojimbo. Uh, And uh, Ikiru, which is actually quite a bit different. It's not in the sort of samurai genre, but an excellent, excellent film. Um, I think uh, you would do yourself a favor if you checked it out. Um, as for our next episode, uh, I think we're going to be doing Rambo First Blood. Uh, it was definitely, we had a list of movies that we wanted to do. Uh, Yojimbo was up there. Rambo First Blood was up there. We have a, a couple others we're wanting to work on. Now, if you were to press me and ask me when that episode will come out, uh, <laughs> I, I don't have a freaking clue, to be brutally honest with you. Um, at the rate we're going, probably a better part of like three or four months. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, hopefully we will have these episodes out to you just a little bit uh, quicker than we have been as of late. Um, but we will be working on uh, First Blood next and hopefully have that to you sooner rather than later. Uh, if you do have some suggestions, you got any ideas, you know, we're always love to hear the ideas and we've actually used them quite often. Uh, go to drivehomebreakdown.com, leave us some feedback there, and we always we always read it and, and uh, try to use it if it's if it's something that. You know, it's something we do want to do, and uh, if it's a good idea. Uh, also, of course, over at Breakdown Show on Twitter, uh, also can get hold of us. But uh, we appreciate all that feedback, and uh, you know, thank you, uh, thank you for listening, and hope that uh, you check us back out on our next one, which will be coming hopefully in the not too distant future. Anyway, take care, guys. Peace. Peace.